0: Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around those damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, be sure to subscribe, just us, and review us, and everything else you can do good I, I would say in a good way but leave bad feedback if you want if feedback is feedback man i mean unless you're a prick about it you know what anyways i'm getting out of here. whatever i tell you every week go over there interact with us with on our uh the platforms that we're on for podcasts you get the whole deal anyways and of course follow us on twitter at gpgc Podcast. They date with everything regarding our show video games like and our dope giveaways i of course I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelless on most internet platform. Joining me, as always, the voices in my head. Um, We had a last-minute change. I, I feel like this has been, like, a regular thing recently, and I promise we are not making it a regular thing. Um Our schedules have just been conflicting <laughs> between Mike and I. Um, So it is just me this week. Uh, so it will probably be a short episode. Uh, unfortunately, I hate to cut it that way. Uh, And the fact that this is episode 150. 150! We couldn't push the episode back, so... You know, on a side note, before we get into that, 150 episodes, holy shit, 150 straight weeks we've been coming, actually more than that, technically, it is, it'd be 152 straight weeks that we've been coming into your speakers, wherever you, speakers, headphones, whatever, there's some kind of phrase I can put in there with that, but uh, it's been, I think it's 152 because we had, the MCC episode was a two-part, and we split that between two weeks, Um, and the, we did a kind of breaking news, like quick first impressions when the series X was announced at the game awards in 29, yeah, 2019. So we had a couple extra shows in there kind of thing. So technically it's 152 weeks straight, but. I digress without missing an episode. You guys have been here and new people coming alike. If this is your first episode, I am sorry. This is going to be atypical of how our show normally is. Whenever it's me and a guest at least, nine times out of ten, it is my co-host Mike P-Pack. But um, yeah, it's just me this week, Travis White, aka Travelist on most internet platforms. So getting into it, I mean, we're just gonna get the brass tacks on this one. Um Like I said, it'll probably be, I'm getting getting ahead of myself. I'm saying 150 episodes. First of all, thank you very much. Everyone who's listened, tuned in, gotten to check out our show, even if it is just, oh, this fucking sucks and turns it off right away. Thank you for at least giving us a shot. You see, you know, a podcast about Xbox stuff, a podcast about PC gaming, stuff like that. And the the show's evolved multiple times. I think I've and I've said this multiple times in multiple different milestone shows, whether it was the fiftieth, the hundredth, um, you know, whatnot. The show has evolved over that hundred and fifty episodes, where it's never been one thing necessarily. And I think that's what I like about the most is that the show's kind of grown and evolved with us as whether it's from a media standpoint, whether it's from a You know, content creation standpoint, whatever, it's kind of evolved to always what we needed it to be at the time. And I think that's what I appreciate most about kind of doing this show for 50 straight weeks or 152 straight weeks, technically, but for 150 straight episodes that, you know, getting to do this with whether it's Mike, Adam, my best friends out there. So, you know, getting to do this show every week, one means a lot to me in that regard, but also, too, that. We've gotten to kind of experience this evolution alongside you and kind of mold this and tweak this show as we've needed it to for not only us, but you guys as well. It's it's always – we've always – even now, I mean, shocker, we don't make a ton of money off this show. <laughs> Unless you're a 1% of, you know, podcast uh, in terms of you know, listenership and whatnot – You're not, you're not raking in the dough. Um, This is very much still a passion project for us. Um, You know, and granted, we've seen growers, uh, growing, you know, viewership and listenership over the, you know, the months and years and whatnot. Um, And it's, you know, really episode after episode, for the most part, we're seeing growth. And, you know, that's incredible to me, nonetheless. But overall, it's been. It's always the show's evolved in shape to what not only we need it, you need it, everyone involved. What I guess the games medium is wanting at that time, um, and I think that's what I appreciate about the most. And it's going to be like that. I mean, we've had it from deep dives into specific games, we've had it reviews, we've had it a news show, we've had it, you know, Q and A. You name it. We this show's kind of been whatever it needed to be to for us for us whatever we needed it to be, whatever you, you, the listener needed it to be and everything in between. And and I think that's been a healthy relationship between us. And I think the show has the bandwidth to do that. Um, so, and it's provided, uh, trust me. And I, I think the listeners who are a little bit older, um, I don't want to say older, I don't know, my late twenties, but those who aren't necessarily, you know, teenagers or anything, but as you get older in life, or, and you move on in life, and you go to different stages, you become a, a full-grown adult with a job. Some of you are married. Somebody, hell, you tell me you have kids, you know, st- you know, stuff like that. The moments you get to spend with those friends you've had forever mean the world. And every week, I know I at least, at bare minimum, whether it's Mike, whether it's Adam, whether it's Mike and Adam, I get to carve out At least usually, you know, an hour or so every week that no matter what's going on, whether we can play games at night or whatever that we multiple times throughout the week or not at all. I know once a week I'm sitting down with two of my best friends to talk about video games like we've done for 29 now for, you know, we've been friends since we were very young elementary school, 20 plus years, 25 years, something like that, you know, so it's. It's I think the I think the listeners who were in the same age bracket, that 18 to 35 age demographic, you understand those moments get few and far between and to have something that's always been a temple for us in general to kind of keep us all together really means a lot. So really, I think that's a good way to kind of cap off the 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 talk of 150 and what that means and whatnot, but. All it is at the end of the day is, is it's just one step closer to the inevitable world domination that we're going to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyhow, though, yes, cheers to 150 episodes. Here's to the next 150. Here's to the next week's show, too, you know, when hopefully Mike and I are just back together and we don't have to worry about anything. It's not me shouting into the void. Um. Anyways, let's get on with the show. Uh, I guess I could talk about what I've been playing. Um up until obviously what we're going to talk about in the main topic for the show and what I kind of just want to talk about and I think we need to talk about um I was continuing my really just Bethesda playthrough of things um that I you guys know me I'm a Bethesda stan so I love whether that's published games, developed games, whatever um I've I've always loved the the approach and the the really the how do I want to call it, that taste that you get from a Bethesda game, that whether it's an actual, you know, BGS game, you know, Fallout, Elder Scrolls, yada yada, um, or a published game from them from one of their, you know, partner studios, or one of their subsidiaries, whether it's Tango, whether it's uh, Id, whether it's uh, Arcane, the list goes on. Machine games, you know, you get that feeling from specific games of theirs that they have this very unique texture to them. um, Whether it's from their narrative approach, whether it's their world building, they very much still all fit in kind of a, you know, they have a certain taste and that's always resonated with me. So on our (laughs) inevitable march towards Starfield, as we are getting to originally in the fall, but we'll get to that in a little bit. um, I said, you know, all mainline BGS games, I wanted to at least bare minimum do a playthrough heading back into um, because that gave me an excuse to Replay Morrowind replay, uh fallout 3 which I haven't in fucking forever like things like that that like outside of the normal routine of Oblivion fallout 4 and Skyrim just because those are the most accessible to get, you know They're they're the most accessible to play on modern hardware whether it's my gaming rig or my console or whatever um so I've been kind of doing that, but I also now have expanded it to just really any Bethesda game. So I was going back through and I was like, hmm, I never finished Dishonored 2 and I fucking adore Dishonored 1. I need to go back and play that. So I just restarted Dishonored 2 and went through and replayed, uh or finally did a full playthrough of it and fucking shocker, Arcane's incredible um, with any everything they do. So um, had a blast playing that and I still stand by that Arcane may be the best in the business right now at level design. And I truly don't believe they get enough credit uh, in that regard, both at the Austin studio and the, uh, the uh, France studio uh, in Lyon, that I don't think they get enough props at the level of detail and intricacies and depth that they put into their design aspect. Uh, there's so much thought that goes into their level design, specifically in the Dishonored franchise. And also, too, you know, you're seeing that uh, as well with, you know, most recently Deathloop. Um, so it really, 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 really makes me feel great about their future with Microsoft. Um, and so many people have made the comparison of, like, hey, this may, Arcane may quietly become. Microsoft's Insomniac like Sony has. Um, And I I absolutely stand by that statement. I think that's an excellent, really, because for so long, Insomniac was always, and I'd like to say, granted, you remove, you know, for years, they were always the Ratchet & Clank studio, Ratchet & Clank studio, and they did absolutely fucking fantastic with that. But that's what they were known for. They were Ratchet & Clank, and that was their wheelhouse, and they perfected really that, character third-person platformer slash shooter genre-ish that we uh, saw mostly obviously on the PlayStation 2 and bleed over into the PS3 generation, Um, but they finally really came into their own, I think, after they kind of not only, one, dipped their toe into something else besides that with um, Sunset Overdrive, the Xbox One exclusive back in 2014, um, and Really kind of a cult classic now, I like to think, Um, that was very, I think, I think now as time has gone on, people start to really see kind of the greatness that that game was. I don't want to say it was incredible, amazing, but you could see so much of not only the DNA of what went into Spider-Man and what went into, obviously, later Ratchet & Clank releases, um, that you really saw them kind of start to spread their wings a little bit and see, okay, we could do more than just Ratchet and Clank. Um, so I, I would love to see now them kind of have that not, Hey, we got to not the Bethesda ever. I'm sure was, or was ZeniMax, you know, really being like, Hey, you got Y, and Z needs to be done. You have to, you know, cause they they were a private company up until Microsoft bought them. So they didn't have to necessarily answer to shareholders or anything like that, but Hey, we got to, you know, make sure we're hitting budget and this and that, and not that Microsoft isn't going to have those lines in there, but they're going to be a little more blurred um, with the bankroll that Microsoft obviously has, so to me, that only is going to improve their output and what they're able to do, Um, and I'm excited for Redfall, and obviously, we're going to talk about that too, but anyways, yes, Finished a Dishonored 2 playthrough. Absolutely love that. Uh, and actually went back and did another playthrough of Doom Eternal. That was actually my first replay of Doom Eternal. True full replay since launch. Which is crazy to think. Um, but. And this time I played it on PC. Um, I was always torn on. I got it on console at release. Even though I knew once I bought it. I was like ah, I should have got this on PC. Like you know. Just because I any first person shooter. Or any shooter in general for the past probably five years i've defaulted to pc um just because PC's always felt more natural to me but now you're at that point where it's just like uh eh, not only uh, and more so at the point like uh yeah more people may be getting this on console but i want to do me like if i'm doing this kind of thing so but i kind of regretted it not getting it on pc at launch but then I picked it up on Steam sale anyways. I was like, eh, I do want I'm going to play this again. <laughs> um, but I think I really appreciated it more this time around. I still think you probably could have nixed maybe like 15% of that game out, like trim the fat of it a little bit. I think that was what was so incredible about Doom 2016 was the pacing was so well, but at the same time too, I think I approached my playthrough of Doom Eternal this time a little bit different. And I think I really lean into Id's perspective on playing this game and how you approach this game and what you do with this game. Um, and not that I didn't take that the first time around, I think playing it on PC is just from a control standpoint, it, it meshes with that so much better. It meshes with it so well, it's so the fluidity of that game, I think just meshes with mouse and keyboard so well. Um, so going through and replaying this and getting to kind of tweak you know take a different perspective this time around uh I think really let me kind of appreciate that game more um I still personally think Doom 2016 is I en- I think I think that's my go to instead of Doom Eternal but at the same time I think Doom Eternal definitely is the better game um but I still think 2016 from a pacing standpoint, is probably my favorite. Um, And granted, that may just be, I don't want to say nostalgic glass or goggles, but it may just be, you know, right time, right place with that game um, compared to Doom Eternal, even though I still thought that game was incredible at launch. Um, But we're talking about, it's like kill your babies kind of thing. Like, both of these things are incredible, and I got to choose one. I can only, you know what I mean? So... Anyways, though, uh, yeah, playthrough, Doom Eternal, fucking fantastic, um, yet again, but anywho, let's get into our big topics for this week, and really, like I said, it's probably going to be a relatively shorter one, but this one we had to talk about. Um, and naturally, obviously, like I said, it, it's like rain or shine. This show's happening every Friday, whether it's just me talking uh, these random pockets of things that come up. Mike and I. It was like 100 straight episodes we hadn't missed together. Um, and like, I think I did my first by myself, like last summer or something like that, um, because I always think it's a important to make sure we check in with you guys every week, um, whether it's for half an hour, whether it's for three hours or whether, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's important for us to touch base, whether it's a quick conversation or a longer one. Um, but I. Uh, for some reason, these past couple of weeks have been like more like turbulent of getting us on the schedule, not in a bad way. We just like Mike has a new job. I'm kind of wrapping up the school year with my job and you know everything the craziness that goes along with how crazy my job can be during the school year so it's like getting that all kind of lined up. The past couple of weeks has just been hit or miss with getting us on there. Um but I truly think after this week we should be good just moving forward. Um we should there should be no more bumps. We should all be on the same page but um though Mike was it, it was really a last minute thing Pablo he was like I fucking god Swindled into this. I, I got it. You know what I mean? No big deal. But anywho, though, um, I do wanted to I did want to make sure we talk touch base on this one, um, though, because this is a big one. And this is very near to, uh, you know, my excitement levels for this year. Um, and yet again, and instantly Mike hits me up this morning, like when we both kind of see it at the same time. And I send over to our group chat. I'm like, this is what happened. And he said, God damn it. Like, he's like, and I'm not saying this in a way like, told you so. But like, I just fucking hate being right in these situations. Like, I really do. Um, And that is that we got official confirmation this morning from Bethesda Game Studios that, and Bethesda in general, that both Starfield and Redfall have been delayed to 2023. This write-up comes from Joe Scrabbles over at IGN, as always. Link in the description. Go over there. Give Joe a click. Check out all the work over at IGN. All the all the writers over there are incredible, Um, but especially Joe across the across the pond uh, does great work over with IGN's UK team. So go over there, make sure you give him a click on the article. Bethesda has announced that Starfield and Redfall have been delayed to, quote, the first half of 2023 announced by Bethesda on Twitter. No specific reasons were given for the delays other than to say that the teams, quote, want to ensure that you receive the best, most polished versions of them. The statement also promises that the first gameplay deep dives for both games will be released, quote, soon, and you can imagine that that would come during the Xbox and Bethesda Summer Showcase on June 12th. The quote, I'll just read it uh, on here, says, "Uh, We've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane Austin, Redfall, and Bethesda Game Studios, Starfield obviously, uh, have incredible ambitions for their games, and we want to ensure that you receive the best, most polished versions of them. We want to thank everyone for their excitement for Redfall and Starfield. That energy is a huge part of what inspires us all, all of us every day, and drives our own excitement for what we are creating. We can't wait to share the, our first deep dive into gameplay for both Redfall and Starfield soon. Thank you for the support. Uh, a follow-up from Bethesda, or... Er, Starfield's Bethesda Game Studios simply says, quote, we can't wait for you to play Starfield, but we need some more time. We're so thankful for all the support and encouragement and are excited to show you the game soon. Arcane followed up the tweet with a message from Redfield's director Harvey Smith. Quote, here at Arcane Austin, we've decided to delay the launch of Redfall. So, uh, Smith explained, the team needs more time to bring the game to life. Thank you so much for your continued support. Redfall is our most ambitious game yet, and we can't wait to show it off soon. Starfield previously had a release date of November 11th, an important date for Bethesda, given Skyrim was released on the same date in 2011. The Xbox console exclusive has been shown off a number of or has been showing off a number of details recently, from the game's companions to its factions to its music, but we've never seen official gameplay. We've seen in-game engine footage from the Creation 2 engine, but not direct feed gameplay. You know what I mean. Uh, Redfall has been even quieter. Announced as Xbox close, er, show closer during E3 last year, the new game from Arcane Austin was announced as an open world co-op FPS due for release this summer. However, since that reveal, we've seen nothing for, of the game aside for some leaked images. The lack of gameplay for both games had been seen by some as simply holding back for a major drop during the summer, but it seems the reality is that both games simply aren't ready for release just yet. They joined the long list of games delayed in 2022. So I'm not going to lie. From a fan's perspective, uh, this one stings. Uh, I, it, like I said, even at the top of the show, um, I'm a Bethesda stan. I adore, outside of, I would say outside of the N64 and Halo, like, uh, in terms of, like, moments within my gaming lineage, um, playing Ocarina of Time on on N64 for the first time and being absolutely blown away by that as a fucking five-year-old kid um, to then playing Halo 1 on the original Xbox to then playing really the next one that kind of, I want to say, really lit my RPG love besides you know and I would even say as a kid I would classify Green of Time as an RPG but now I probably wouldn't but you get what I'm saying um my love for I guess high fantasy and whatnot um got me interested in playing the Elder Scrolls with Morrowind but really and granted I, I played Morrowind on the original Xbox and I had a PC version of it back in the day when I was a kid but really the one that Blew me away was Oblivion, and I remember that coming out. And Mike and I have talked about it before. His mom drives us drives us to GameStop because his brother got a 360 the summer it came, or that first summer it came out. He was home from college, and we were in the summer, going into eighth grade, something like that. Right when Oblivion came out, but his brother was home for the summer, so we had a 360 there. Made his mom drive us to <laughs> GameStop, go get the game, bring it back, put it in. And the game doesn't work. Um, and so we beg her. And shout out to missus Peepack; She drove us right back. Um, swapped the game out, brought it back. And I'll never forget the first time not only coming out of the sewers, uh, the Imperial sewers with that game and stepping out and just seeing the world and just being like, this is the future of game. But like even looking up at the sky in the sky box at Kavach, like when you first get there. And seeing the detail that was put up on that, I like it just like those couple moments really are going to stay with me forever as I'm, you know, as my love for gaming goes on as now I try to dip a toe into the development world of games and programming and, you know, it, those moments kind of push you a little bit. And Bethesda really outside of like, you know, the 90s era of Nintendo and you know, really, I guess, you know, obviously I'm a fan of all platforms, but, you know, and besides, you know, maybe Blizzard and, you know, some of their earlier titles and like Diablo and D2 and uh, Warcraft 3 and stuff like that. And while WoW obviously, but as a kid, though, Bethesda really defined my love for games. So anytime there is a mainline Bethesda Game Studios title that does come out, um. It's a big deal for me, Um, you know, I, and I'm saying that from a fan's perspective, remove, you know, and I'm saying that from this is only a fan's perspective that I'm talking about. And don't even get me started on, you know, from a media perspective. I think they're in <laughs> fascinating to, a, you know, both, you know, there's positives and negatives with that, but incredibly fascinating from how they, you know, approach things. Um, But also, too, as somebody now who wants to try to make games to a degree and get into maybe the games industry on the dev side. Um, The passion that those games have instilled in me for design and development really kind of like. They these games mean a lot to me, so from the fan perspective alone, like it sucks seeing that. But this is absolutely the right thing to do this 100 percent. If if they don't believe this game is ready We've seen from a similar genre of game what can happen when a hugely anticipated title from a, I would still say, pretty beloved developer when it comes out and it's a dud. (coughs) Cyberpunk. We've seen what happens. And like we've said before, Mike and I have kind of both said this pretty much anytime there is a major delay for any game, yada, yada. You can only you have one chance, one opportunity to make a first impression. After that, you never will be able to make another first impression. Period. You can the toothpaste is out of the tooth, uh, out of the fucking tube of toothpaste. Like it ain't getting back in there. Genie's out the bottle. So you have one chance to make a first impression. I'm not even saying like first gameplay shown. I'm not talking, you know, yeah, that stuff too. But from launch on. You look at all pretty much like any you know games as a service or live service title, like, yeah, sure, you love hearing these, hey, a year later, this game's really turned it around, it's gotten to a really good place, yada, yada. But the message is always going to be, man, that rocky start, or man, that was tough, or God, that game was bad at launch, yada, yada. Very much so that the idea and understand, and there's degrees to this, like Jason Schreier brought up a good point. I'm going to pull up a quote from him in a second about this, but he also brought up a good point in not only a, you know, both of his books that uh, he's read, Press Reset, his newest one, um, but, uh, but also, oh my God, why can't I not think of it? I finally got around to reading it um, last year. Um, Oh, my God, this is killing me. Blood, sweat, and pixels. I was like, I adored the book. (laughs) What the fuck? Um, Blood, sweat, and pixels. Not only that, but also on podcasts stuff that, and, you know, obviously some of the journalistic work that he's done for Kotaku and now Bloomberg, but that these delays are good because they also, you know, on the surface, yes, this buys more time, this adds more polish, yada, yada, but also to from a crunch standpoint, it does open the door to more crunch because it's saying, Hey, we've been doing it like this for X amount of months. Guess what? Or, you know, we've been working, you know, and I'm being conservative, probably saying 50 to 60 hour weeks. I know it's more than that, but for this, we got to push it just a little, we bought more time. Now let's push it a little bit farther. Let's get to this point. Let's get to gold, uh, you know, so the game goes gold, and then we're good. Then we'll peel back. yeah, Yeah. It's just extending the crunch. And I would like to think, Bethesda as a studio who has not only BGS has multiple studios under that banner now, um, between Redfield or Rockville, um, Maryland and, uh, Austin and Montreal. Like now that they have these multiple studios under that BGS banner that they could probably flex it a little bit. Um, and we're talking hundreds of employees now close, you know, even potentially hope, close to thousands with contractors and whatnot that you can maybe let this game. No, I don't want to say don't let, or you can let this game breathe a little more, but you have, you have a little more flexibility that you can kind of spread some of this work out, And maybe that it isn't, and maybe they're trying to also do this now in you know, a post COVID world that we're seeing, you know, Hey, we need to recalibrate the idea of work and working from home and flexibility. And we've seen what that can do to people. and, You know, we've seen what it can do to the world whenever you try to do that. And people are also seeing like, hey, the way that we've been doing stuff could potentially or potentially has been bullshit. Let's change it a little bit. Let's improve it across the board, both from a logistics standpoint, but also from a personnel standpoint. Like, so, you know, I think, you know, you like to think from a glass half full perspective, maybe this does buy them the ability to, hey, we're going to be able to polish it. This buys us you know, let's just say six months, you know, to launch. Let's say this launches by the end of May. Um, That cool. That buys us an extra six months, you know, three months of that is just straight polish and getting the game great in the last three months, you know, or last, you know, I would say it's probably closer to month is, Hey, we're working on day one patches and bug, you know, and debugging and, you know, QA and all this stuff, you know, kind of stuff on that end. But, to me, though, this this is can only be viewed as really a positive thing because, once again, we've seen what goes wrong with a quote-unquote beloved developer who is very well known for doing this one specific thing, open-world RPGs that are immersive, that are very much thought-provoking, worlds that people want to live in, experiences people play for decades, um, you know, realistically they do like <laughs> um, that. We've seen what happens when you rush it out and we see what hap- we seen what happens when it ain't ready. Fuck it. Let's we need to just get it out. And we've seen how that message really, really, really falls flat on his face. And that approach just does not work. Um, and two, I brought up uh, Jason Schreier. Let me pull up His. Twitter real quick because he had a comment on this that I thought was interesting to pull up. Um, bu- 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 here we go. Uh, he quote tweeted the Bethesda announcement uh, about Rock. I keep wanting to say Redfall, Rockville, Redville. It's late. <laughs> it is later that we're recording this. Um, but uh, the update on Redfall and Starfield. Quote, uh, last spring before E3, I spoke to some folks on Starfield who were extremely worried about committing to an 11-11-2022 date based on the progress they've made so far. And in parentheses says, next cyberpunk was the term that was floated around. Good on Bethesda for delaying even after announcing that specific date. Uh, He followed up then to, quote, well, you know, why'd you wait until now to say this? Because, you know, game dev is non-linear and turbulent, like I kind of brought up as well. Uh, Even the people working on a project can only guess how it'll turn out, yada, yada. But, um, the, but I think it is good to note that they are cognitive of it. The, you know, kind of, and this is, I'm sure, and and no longer is this just a ZeniMax, you know, decision that needs to be made. This is a Microsoft decision, um, you know, as well. This isn't a Bethesda and ZeniMax decision. This is a this is now a Microsoft and Xbox decision. So, good on not only Phil for, and I think it is okay to be give you know constructive criticism on this and feedback and it is absolutely okay to be frustrated as well as somebody who, you know, remove, hey, I, I I see the developer side, I see the, you know, media side of things, and I like to try to bring that perspective to this podcast and when we have conversations about stuff uh, regarding game development. But just as a fan, yeah, it fucking sucks, man. Like, I'm excited to play this game. This is my most anticipated game of the year. Hands down. Starfield's my most anticipated game of this year. It was probably, I mean, I don't want to say, my most anticipated game period is the Elder Scrolls six, but two Bethesda game studios titles are my most anticipated games are on lists of most anticipated games. And this year, and that's even over, God forbid, this is an Xbox show, but that's over God of War Ragnarok. That's slated to come out this year. I fucking adore God of War, the new iteration. That is. Um, so that's saying a lot. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's, I think it's, like I said, good on, like I was getting ready to say, I should say. It's, I give Phil props on this one because it's got to be hard to come out and say after multiple years of, hey, we're building up, we're building up, we're building up, we're getting ready, we're getting ready. It's soon, it's soon. We're going to have all these exclusives, yada, yada. This was the first year and you could tell it by the marketing last year, you could tell by their E3 presentation la- or their E3 showcase last year with Bethesda that last year. Sure. We're going to have, you know, a couple, we're going to have horse, uh, force, if I could talk horizon five, come out. It's going to be a hit, obviously halo infinite. We're going to have a nice one, two punch with them. That is, you know, Hey, for, you know, long-term Xbox fans, this is, you know, what we have been used to seeing, but we're going to have a nice, hopefully have a nice, holiday season this year with these two games. Uh, but for what we've been building to this new iteration, this new kind of mindset and future of Xbox of all these studios under this banner, all these, not only homegrown studios, but acquisitions and things start to pay off. 2022 was going to be that year, at least n- not in the sense of like, and even just, you know, from what Jeff Grubbs said as well, as well as, um you know, bringing up of like this this was going to be at least the start. This was going to be, we're finally going to see a little bit of progress, like a little bit of the fruits of that labor kind of pay off a little bit. And really kind of 2023 and 2024 are going to be the years that we've really kind of start to see stuff roll through. And now, obviously, that is going to be the case. But I give Phil props on that for coming out, addressing it. And I give, once again, I still think the most telling thing about Why I'm confident still in the direction Xbox is going and building this ecosystem, but more from an, you know, a quote unquote exclusive standpoint and, you know, IP standpoint and bringing all these studios and having all this content and why I still believe in that. I still go back to, and even though take where the game is at or whatnot, that is what it is. But the fact that they delete Halo Infinite from the release of the Series X and uh, Series S you never see a launch game delayed. Really, you never do. A tentpole, this is the reason, this is, this is the reason to buy this console. This is the Breath of the Wild for the Switch. This, this is the game to buy with this. You know, like, this is the reason to buy this console right now, right at launch. Don't wait. Buy this now because you want to play this game. The fact that they delay, the fact that they gave the thumbs up and said delay it for a year, for a fucking year, that to me says this is mindset of content first getting the stuff right putting out a polished product so and I've seen some of the comments and things like that and to be honest they're a little bit better than I thought they would be but still seeing a lot of pretty negative stuff um and this is just from somebody from my fan perspective of you know it sucks seeing that um it sucks this situation coming out but hey you know what from a fan perspective still, I'm happy for this because I want a great game to come out. And I give Xbox credit for ha- having the gall to say, hey, do what we need to do to push it? And, you know, make it happen. But we want a good game. You know, we want a good game and we're willing to say, take the time to do that. So, you know, I give them credit on that. Net. From my, you know, <laughs> content creation and, I don't you know, quote unquote journalistic approach. I kind of say the same thing. Like, it makes sense. This is the right thing to do. We haven't seen any full gameplay of either of these games. I've been talking about Starfield, not to mention even Redfall. Like, this is a game that not only, like uh Joe said in his article, was this was the closer, this was the and one more thing from Xbox's E3 showcase last year. And we didn't see gameplay from that. During that time. Okay, cool. We're holding back. It's a summer 2022 game. Obviously, that's not happening. We knew that pretty much at this point going into, you know, the beginning of this year. We haven't heard anything about the game. Okay. But, hey, this could be a nice fall September game to come out. And still not hearing even a peep of it or, you know, another look at it. Yada, yada. Like, that's still getting, like, we knew that was getting light at this point. But the fact that... We haven't seen gameplay from either of these games like that just tells you like, hey, this isn't this isn't in a place where we want to show it. And just from playing Bethesda games for a long time, both BGS and, you know, published games by them and knowing the mindset that a lot of the higher brass kind of approach with, especially like on the BGS side with Todd Howard and one on him being very vocal of like, hey, if we could, I would fucking give you like a couple days. Ahead of knowing a game's coming out and it launching like I would pretty much saying I would shadow drop everything if I could just because like there's he doesn't like showing and we pretty much seen that with Fallout 4 especially back in 2015 whenever they showed that game and didn't even acknowledge that game existed until E3 of 2015 and boom what five months later that game came out like So I get it. Like they want to show the game in the best possible state. And I could respect that because especially too, like if you're thinking of an E3 demo or something like that, people don't understand how taxing an E3 demo can be on just the development, the logistical flow of development for a game. Especially we're talking these large AAA projects, exclusive things like that, that have, you know, hundreds of people working on them. And the scale of these games are, you know, immeasurable at times, it feels like. Creating that slice, that slice that you take to E3 is very much a project on its own that can be very taxing and takes away from the development of that game and the manpower putting into that, that it just to me, I don't blame anytime you hear you hear, oh we gotta wait, we're waiting to show you, we're waiting to show you. It's it's because they wanna make sure it's the best possible version to show you, but also too. That shit rails so much of the actual development at times that it's like I uh, and and that's why I, I'm more or less like, hey, just show it when you're ready. You know, and and that's from both fan and you know, reporting on this. It just makes sense to do it that way. Um, but yeah, Redfall as well, that it's like to me, you're talking about a game that is from, you know, the follow-up from Arcane Austin. Um, so you're following up Prey, that would be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's their first game since Kane Studios Austin. Um, That they're... I'm pretty sure... Trying to see if they have... That would... Prey would be there unless... They work on... Death of the Outsider, I'm I'm just, now I'm just kind of like rambling a little bit, (laughs) um, uh, let me see, development, no, I know they kind of had a share, they do have a shared experience at times, like, across the board, um, but, like, between their two studios, but, I want to say, what about, oh, shit, they did Youngblood? Interesting. I don't think I ever realized that. <laughs> I knew, obviously, Machine Games was working on it, but no, it was the one in Leon. Okay, what about Cyberpilot? Same deal. Okay, so this is technically their first game since Prey. Um, so, you know, five years of turnaround, but the fact that you're not seeing that, and especially, too, if we're talking about a, you know, if they're talking about a game being... This ambitious as it is, as an open one, an open world uh, RPG FPS that is co-op, like, that's coming from a studio that has done pretty much linear projects for the most part. You know, you could talk about Prey being a... How do you want to put it? It's like kind of... Um, immersive sim slash i mean it's very much an immersive sim but has metroidvania elements to it that you know but this is very different an open world open world co-op fps is very different from what they've been doing in a much larger scale so the intricacies of that game you know a five-year turnaround is pretty quick if you ask me in modern triple a you know big budget games so the fact that we didn't hear anything about this game I could have told you already at the beginning of the year, that this game's probably getting delayed. Um, and we're talking like not a peep. So, um, but yeah, man, it's, and I, like I said, I'm still kind of all processing all this stuff too. Um, and, you know, I say that both, you know, more so on the, you know, we're getting more details as this comes out. Um, but I think it's still, I think it's still pretty fair to say that, you know, we're probably not out of the woods yet. You know, like I think if you ask me now, gun of my head, do I think we're going to see this game? Both of these games come out in the first half of 2023. I, I say, yeah, we, I, I think my gut says we will. I still would not put it out of the realm of reality though. That one of those games miss, um, and it might be starfield. I I don't know. Uh, who knows? I I think I think we're going to know a lot more about where this game stands post Bethesda uh, Xbox Bethesda conference in a couple weeks. I think we are and and I know that's kind of a you know, oh, that's kind of a cop out answer, but it, I really do think we're going to have a better idea of where this game stands from a development standpoint. For what I'm hoping is the fact that we truly do see a deep dive on this game, Um, that we see the, you know, and who knows? Maybe we don't see it here, but we at least got to see some gameplay from this at at this point. We've, you know, there's been I don't want to say leaks galore, but we've seen a lot of leaks come out of the game uh, start to trickle their way in some leaks. Uh, screenshots and things like that so we need to see what the game actually plays like and you know there's been rumors that hey the flying in the game isn't great um the shootings you know good as good of you know i'm sure it's probably similar to fallout shooting with an fps which is fine that's you know totally fine um but that the actual exploration is great and all these other things that you, what you would want to hope for, but you know that the flying is kind of tricky. So maybe that's, you know, we're not going to see f- fully everything at the showcase, but you know, I would like to see that deep dive by the end of this year for this game. to because then that's where I'll have the confidence if we get there and we see a quick couple minute, you know, kind of montage of gameplay kind of, I, which I don't, I don't think they would because that's not usually how Bethesda likes to show off their titles, their BGS titles at least. They usually do like to go into these deep dives and that they even, you know, kind of said, hey, we're going to show a deep dive when we talk about this game. Um, I do hope we, it, it, I I will feel very, I feel very good if we get a nice five to ten minute deep dive of Starfield come June 12th. Um, but that'll make me feel better about Hey, this game's going to come out between, you know, March and May. Um, I, I, I think I'll feel better about that. But, anywho, though, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I wanted to really talk about. There were a couple of other things that kind of popped up that I thought were interesting. Like, um, it was kind of more like, like 505 Games is announcing a showcase for next week. Um, we'll kind of talk about that next week, but, um, like Alan Wake is getting a TV series and Alan Wake 2's developments, you know, still on track and whatnot. But that was the big thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, because that's a staple. It's it's one of those things that's kind of a staple in our show at this point. It's almost like Halo Infinite, where we end up talking about one of them just because it's something so close to the close to the the vest for us a little bit. But um but anywho, that's pretty much all I got for this week for the most part. Um. yeah I think that's it that's pretty much all I want to talk about was really you know Starfield and Redfield getting delayed and what that kind of looks like where we stand now what what's the direction we're kind of going at and yada yada so and obviously we'll have more next week I want to get Mike's thoughts on this next week whenever he's back on the show and just kind of maybe flesh it out a little bit more but yeah I think that's going to do it for episode this week so I'm your host, as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Traveless on most internet platforms, including at Traveless underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You could also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Traveless underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me on pretty much every, any platform, but specifically Xbox Live, you could do so at just regular Traveless. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Game Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and, of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So... Be sure to subscribe to us, raise and review us wherever you get a podcast at and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like Antarctic dope giveaways. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for our episode this week. So thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing and being part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, Black Lives Matter and we will see you next week.